to the Toes on the Line podcast. I'm your host, Gio Grassi. Today, I have my first female strength coach on, uh, Coach Sam Contorno from Stanford University. Uh, Sam, thanks for coming on today, and I appreciate you coming on because my wife was telling me for weeks and weeks, you've got to get a woman on your podcast. I finally got one, and she's hyped. I know you're hyped. I'm hyped up because I really want to get to the to, to like the nitty-gritty of what it is to be a strength coach, a female strength coach working with football and men's volleyball at a Power 5 conference. And Sam, thanks for coming on. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me. And I love that your wife is on the whole female hype train. Like, you know, we need more of that in this field. But no, I'm doing great. I'm here in California. Um, Again, I'm a sports performance coach for Stanford. I work predominantly with football and men's volleyball. And I've pretty much worked with mostly male athletes my entire coaching career. I did uh, work with women's lightweight crew for a time, which was also an awesome experience because they were a weight class sport of females. And that's what I do. I compete in weightlifting. So you know, I don't know. I, I definitely have like very interesting opinions on this whole like female coach versus male coach. And, you know, I'd love to get more into that. Yeah. And I'd, I'd love to touch, you know, based on what it takes to be, you know, a, a coach at that level, especially a woman, because you don't really hear about women in football. I mean, starting to really uh, break ground in the NFL, but not so much in college. And I'll be honest, I've had a bunch of female uh, interns um, that I've worked with personally back when I was interning that I, you know, higher on staff now. Um, so if you could just take time into, you know, your background, how you got into coaching, you know, where you've interned, uh, your experiences and how you broke through into, you know, the role that you're in now. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have more of a non-traditional path to strength and conditioning, but you know, the more people I talk to nowadays, I think a lot of people do tend to take non-traditional paths to get here. Um, you know, I was an athlete my whole life. I played every single sport. Um, when I got into high school, it was predominantly softball. Um, I come from a really big New York sports family. Like, I think I would have been exiled had I not grown up like a Giants and Yankees fan. Oh, there we um, Yes, now, so now I'm we sure talking. you understand. Now we talking. <laughs> yeah. Um, quick, funny story. Um, my senior year in high school, the Giants won the Super Bowl. They, you know, 18-0 beat the Patriots. And we all got the day off from school to go to the Super Bowl parade. Oh, like that's, that's how big of a, a sports fan I am. And I was dragged by my family at like 5 a.m. on a train to go, you know, roll through New York City. So, so, uh, so sports were like my whole life. And I think everybody who knows me like from then, like is not surprised by what I do now, but I had no idea strength and conditioning was a field. So I had, I played softball. I didn't have a great experience in high school, didn't have a great coach. And I was so burnt out by the end of it that I was like, I don't want to play in college. I'm over it. I just want to go to school to go to school. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up going to Binghamton University and my plan the whole time was med school. So my undergrad is molecular integrative neuroscience. And then I have a minor in health and wellness. Binghamton had no exercise science program And I was all on the med school track. I was like studying for the MCATs. And my last semester of my senior year, I take an exercise science class just as a gym requirement. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there day one, you know, our teacher's lecturing and I'm like, oh man, like this is what I wanted to do. Like totally missed the boat. And so again, we didn't really have an exercise science department. We had like a health and wellness department, which had like one nutrition class and one exercise science class. And so me and a bunch of other girls ended up starting this health and wellness minor. And so I ended up staying an extra semester and I was the first one there to graduate with this minor. But in the meantime, I had been interning with this doctor who treated solely with nutrition. 
And I remember talking to her one day and I'm like, where did you learn this skill set? And she's like, well, not in med school. And I was like, well, where'd you go to med school? She was like, well, Hopkins. I was like, all right. So you went to one of the best med schools in the country and it didn't teach you what you're doing now. Like, you know, done. Like I'm not going to med school. And at that time, like since I didn't play D1 sports, like I just didn't know what a strength coach was. And all of my professors at the time were personal trainers. So it was like, all right, like I'll go get my master's in nutrition from this like holistic science-based program and then I'll personal train. And this seems to be like what you're supposed to do in this field. And, you know, I graduate, I start personal training and I like it. Like it's great, but I don't love it. Like something was always missing. Like I definitely wasn't like super excited to go to work every day. I didn't find it like super interesting. So I decided to um, work at a PT clinic also. So I'd like shadow the PTs and I'd be a strength coach there. And I'm just personally not nice enough to be a PT. I've learned that. Um, (laughs) I can't, uh, yeah, just too many people touching feet and having to be nice all day. And that is my nightmare. Um, (laughs) But but it's funny because, so I grew up with a whole family of football coaches. Dad coached football, brother coached football. And there's one day, this is like 2016, my brother calls me and he's like, hey, like, our strength coach for our high school just quit. He coaches our old high school team. And he's like, you should come apply. Like you're overqualified. Like you were an athlete here. Like, you know, I coach, like this all lines up perfectly. And it was like one of those like stipend jobs. You get like a thousand bucks to like, you know, be the strength coach for the season. But I was like, all right, like I'll come apply. I apply. I crush the interview again. Like, you know, have my CSCS. I'm like, yeah, this will be awesome. And I get a call and they're like, Hey, you know, we're going to go in a different direction. Like we don't think you can handle it. And I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Like, well then. So anything where you like put a chip on my shoulder, like just sends me on an absolute war path. So I applied to every single internship program in the country. Like I'm spending hours on these applications and I'll never forget like applying to Ohio state's football internship and you click like, do you have D1 experience? And you click no. And then it pings you back an email. And it's like, well, we're not going to accept you for this because you have no D1 experience. And I'm like, well, isn't that the point of an internship? Like, right, exactly. I need this experience. <laughs> and, and so UCLA Olympic had an internship open where you send in a video for your application. And I'll never forget. It's like, you know, explain why you want to be a strength coach and then like talk about deadlift technique and you have five minutes. And so... I'm on like take 18, right? I'm like, well, I want to be a strength coach because like I want to make people better. And I'm like, all right, this is stupid. So I like, I click play and I'm like, all right, I'm not going to talk about deadlift technique. Like this is going to go more than five minutes, but I'm going to be the best strength coach in the entire world. And I need somebody to give me a chance because this is bullshit. And I send that in and they're like, you're crazy, but like, sure. Like come on board. So I had never been to LA before, quit my job, move across the country, do this UCLA internship. And I was like immediately hooked. I had zero idea what I was getting into. I didn't know I had to like mop floors and set up equipment and like no idea. I had never been in a D1 weight room. So I do that internship for six months, you know, like love every bit of it again and just so green of no idea what's happening. And then I'm applying to other ones and the Stanford internship opens up and part of the the deal is that there's a competition. At least we used to when we had like this combined internship program, you compete and you'd like take tests and you do physical challenges. And at the end of it, they rank you and you pick what sport you work with based on 
your ranking. And oh, I was like, okay, well, that, okay. yeah. And I was like, well, that's perfect. Cause I'm the most competitive person in the entire universe and I will win this and I will get to pick football. And so I go to Stanford, we have like a week of like intro stuff where like, you know, you're doing all these tasks and you're taking all these quizzes. And at the end of it, they're like, all right, like Sam, like pick what you want. And I'm like, I want to work football. I'll never forget. They're like, well, totally cool. Like you could, you know, be the football intern for like, you know, this beginning of the year, but then when we get in season, like someone needs to go in the locker room and do things like just so you're aware. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally cool. And you know, day one, we like meet Shannon Turley. Right. And you know, he's like super intimidating. They're like, you know, don't go talk to him. He'll talk to you when he wants to talk to you guys. So of course I like walk right into his office and I'm like, hi, sir. Like I'm your new intern. Like, how are you? And he's like, who is this? Who is this chick? Get her out of my office. (laughs) And he like sits us all down and gives us this like 45 minute speech on why we should just quit. And I like walk out of the office and I'm like, this is exactly like, this is what I want to do. Like I'm Uh exactly where I want to be. Like football is exactly my mentality. And And that's why like when people talk about what it's like being a male strength coach versus being a female strength coach, like that is such a myth. Like there is no such thing. Like I believe that there's a person, you're a personality type. Like you can be, you know, a more reserved type B male strength coach. You can be a louder alpha, you know, female strength coach. And I've seen so many interns come and go in our football program. And I've seen females not cut it. I've seen males not cut it. Like and I think it just comes down to, you know, your personality and your coaching presence and, you know, what you bring to the table to make a program successful. And, you know, so I love that there are females popping up everywhere. And I do think that we need to get more of them into these places because I, I don't think it's male versus female. I think it's, can you stand on a line and blow a whistle and have a hundred guys do what you're telling them to do or can't you? Right. I, I think you're right because, um, and it's funny, even talking to some of uh, you know, my uh, colleagues that are athletic trainers, the women there, you know, they say, hey, look, we hate the image of you know, the kids coming to us you know, as a mom figure because we're not mom figures. And I think that, you know, that that's just the image painted on when there's a female involved in, in sports, especially a sport like football. There's so many men around. But then you got these, like you said, eight-type personality women who just come in, hey, this, cut the shit. This is what it is. And I think that kind of you know, sets the bar a lot, a lot more higher for everyone to get into the field. But I, I like what you said there. You kind of you know, no doors were opening for you. So you kind of just kicked the damn wall down and got yourself <laughs> yeah. in. I, I love yeah. that. That's just, I, I love it. Chip on the shoulder, go get some. Fuck everybody. I <laughs> got that it. that New York attitude, yeah, you know? Yeah, no, that's what it is. And it's like, hey, you just keep grinding. You never, you know, take no as an answer. You use it as more motivation and shit. And that's pretty cool that, that you did that. Yeah, um, I mean, I think to your point too, it's really funny because a lot of the guys will joke, like I do have my mom moments. Um, oh God. You know, <laughs> I've known them for like, so I'm not, like at all a kid I don't like kids nor am I good with them nor do I have like any mom genes like whatsoever but like you know I've had some of these kids now for for four years and um you know I I'm not a person who gets mad that often but when they really do something to piss me off or they've crossed like you know some type of standard that I've set like I will let them have it and they're like whoa she's mad today and I'm like yeah like you've, you've all pissed me off. So I definitely do have my moments where it's like, Oh mom, like mom is pissed. Like we've done something wrong. We can't go run to dad to fix this one. Yeah, um, no, hell no. <laughs> but then I, I honestly, like, I do think that being a female too, it definitely offers something a little bit different than just having a staff of all males. Because to your point, like there is, there's a certain ego that just can't be there because, you know, I am a female, like, you know, I never played football. Like that's not my sport. Like, 
you know, we don't lift the same type of weights. Like it just, there's such a difference there that there's not that ego that like sometimes when like our guys are really upset and like they can't necessarily go talk to like their coaches or the strength coaches, like they'll come cry in my office Mm -hmm. because they know like I'm not going to judge them in the same way. So, so I do think that there's also, you know, a benefit to potentially having a female on staff for that reason. Like you just, the guys have somebody else, you know, especially, you know, strength and conditioning, like we're around them all the time. And you know, the fact that they feel comfortable, comfortable enough to like, you know, literally come and sob in my office. Like, that's fine. If that's what you need, like, that's what you need. Like, I'm not going to not be there for you. Yeah. And I, th- I think you hit the, uh, you know, the nail on the head when you said it's all about personalities, not about gender. Cause I'll, I'll be honest, there's even, you know, guys over here at Fordham that, you know, they'll come talk to me before they even talk to, you know, our head strength coach, um, yeah. about a- any, any type of information or topic, you know, it's kind of like, you know, they, they see me more as like, you know, uh, uncle Geo or, you know, <laughs> so, some of the seniors might see me as like a bigger brother or something like that. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk about some stuff that they're scared to talk to their position coaches about and whatnot. And you're right. Strength coaches, we're there all the time. So we are like, you know, like, like a fake mom or like, you know, a fake dad to these yeah. kids. And it's like, you know, if, if we can't be there to, you know, if we can't be on that emotional side with them, then, you know, what's the point really, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I do think the assistant position specifically is such a cool role because, yeah, you know, while you're in that, you know, while you do hold them accountable, you know, you're not the head person. And so I think they do like let their walls down a little bit more around you. And and I think we have such a, an amazing position in in college to like literally watch these kids grow for four years. And I think that's why I like the challenge of it so much more than like, you know, NFL potentially where guys come and go all the time and you don't see them. Like, I think like when we get back, it's like, Oh, I actually missed you guys. Like, you know, I see you you (laughs) 11 months a year and then you know, I won't see him for five weeks, which is like the longest. And, and, you know, you get used to having them all around. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think this position in collegiate is, it's where I want to be for a lot of those reasons. Right. So let's talk a little bit more about your role over there at Stanford. Um, so you work with men's volleyball and football. Um, yeah. How was how, how it, it working with, you know, um, b- both of those sports being that you, you are the only woman? Are you the only woman in the room? I'm sorry. Um, we have, no, we have... I think three, two other female strength coaches on our staff who work with different Oh, you guys teams. are balling. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Cool. So we have, we have our five football strength coaches, and I want to say we have like 10 Olympic strength coaches. So we have um, – and I'm lucky enough to be surrounded by some like super badass women. Uh, we have Brie Cans, and she works with soccer. And then um, Allie works with basketball or women's basketball, and they're just awesome. Like they're awesome, strong personalities. And, and so it's like awesome to have them to, you know, always bounce ideas off of. But yeah, so for, so for football, men's volleyball, and I, up until last year, I had women's lightweight crew. So it kind of had like every athlete you could possibly have, um, you know, the five, one female who's cutting weight versus the six, seven, you know, 170 pound volleyball player. Then you have your whole spectrum of football players. And, and it's funny because I actually think the team that I was hardest on was women's lightweight crew. Um, and I always thought that I wouldn't be able to coach a female athlete. And I loved that team. Um, and, you know, it was just really cool to be able to empower a group of, of women who are in a really tough sport. Like any weight class sport for a, women, for a woman is a, really, is a really tough sport. Like I know yeah. that from experience. I've had some gnarly weight cuts. And so to be able to like build strong women was like such an important part of, of my role with that team. And, and I loved it. And I still keep in touch with so many of those girls and you know, I, it was so awesome to like 
see them leave the weight room more empowered. And so sometimes I was actually probably the hardest on that team. Um, and then I've had men's volleyball for about two years now. Um, they're a totally fun team. It's, you know, they, we like to put on like really loud techno music and like they get after it and they like clean the house for like really tall guys. And, um, you know, they've allowed me to like explore like really cool, like plyo progressions. And so it's definitely like opened, you know, a totally different like side of, of strength and conditioning than you typically see with football because, you know, their training ages are a lot different and just, right. you know, their body types are not as conducive to some of the heavy lifting as football as football is. But, you know, besides the fact that like every so often I have to stand on a box when I talk to them because like <laughs> they're all aggressively taller than me. Um, I don't know. Like I it's like in a room full of giants. Oh yeah. Like literally I will stand on the plyo box. It's like a joke because otherwise I'm just staring up at all of them. That's funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think to Stanford's credit, like I don't think they care that I'm a female, like nobody cares. And I think that's the most important part is that, you know, my staff will joke, like I'll say something and they're like, oh yeah, like we forgot you're a girl or like we'll be in the middle of, the camp, of camp and the, the football team be like, man, like we haven't seen a female in like five weeks. And then, you know, like someone will fart and then they'll all like look at me and be like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. Like this is my life. So, um, you know, I think to, get, you know, to give the program a lot of credit is that like people just don't see me as a girl. Like they, they just don't care. Yeah. And I think that's the most important part is that like, it's not something that people make a big deal of because it isn't a big deal. And it really just comes down to like, you know, how you carry yourself and how you coach. And, and that's been the coolest part. Yeah, definitely. And it's like, you're, you're all there to share the same common goal and that's winning, you know, and yes. you're, there, you're there for the better of them. And they understand that, Hey, you know, coach is here to help us, not, you know, any other reason and whatnot, but I get, you know, and it's, it's funny. You said that story about camp. Cause I guess it kind of does help the guys out a little bit. You know, you, you're, <laughs> it's just all guys around you for the whole month of August. And you see one female, you're like, okay, the world is normal. You know? Yeah. It, it's so funny. Cause they will they'll always be like, Oh, we haven't seen a girl in forever. And I'm like literally standing right there. I'm like, thank God that you don't think like, thank God that this is like, you know, the persona that like I have is that you don't like see me as a girl. Like that's perfect. Yeah. Um, but I will say that like, I get quite, quite a bit of height jokes. Um, I'm five one, so I'm not like, I'm just very small person. Um, oh. and so, you know, the joke is that they all stand behind me on the sidelines because they can see over my head. Um, and there's never like a, now, do never you, an issue. <laughs> do you serve the role as a get back coach <laughs> during the football season? Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, you, yeah. oh so you're ripping guys back. I, That's awesome. There we go. I do. Yeah, yeah no, I do. Um, and it's funny too, because I've ended up this last year, I ended up in a lot of like, you know, gifts on our like Stanford football Twitter where like, you just see this little head like floating at the bottom of the screen and it's like, Oh God, that's just embarrassing. That um, is funny. But yeah, no, no, I absolutely do. Uh, I spend most of my time like fighting with our D line, you know, and they're six, nine, 300 pounds. And like, they think it's fun. I'm like, you know, I'm not nice about it either. And you know, then I'll get one or two short jokes, then they'll back up and we'll all move on. But, um, yeah, no, I, I do think that me training though, also they've all seen me train and they've all seen me lift and, and they know that I'm, you know, pound for pound stronger than they are. And I let them know it for sure. Um, and and I, I think just like knowing how competitive I am and that I do constantly like strive for excellence in my own training, like there's buy-in there also um, mm -hmm. because I can't demand excellence from these guys, especially for football on the level that you do in like all aspects of their life. If I'm not, you know, demanding excellence from myself. 
Uh, definitely. And I, I think it, I think you hit the nail on the head right there again. You know, it's like, you know, you're killing it with your own. I've seen you train on the gram. I've seen it. I'm like, man, this, <laughs> she gets it. after. All she I use is the gram for my lifting videos. So there, you, there you go. I'm like, man, she's got the, she's got the intensity look in her face and it's like, she's getting it. And then you, you told me earlier before we started recording for the show here, you know, you're, you're, you're cleaning way more than your own body weight. So, you know, your relative strength is higher than most of those guys. So that, that speaks volumes, you know, regardless of how much you weigh. Hey, look, if you could clean whatever, one and a half times your body weight, two, you know, 1.75, mm-hmm. two times. You talk shit all you want. I don't care if you're 90 pounds, if you're 200 yeah. pounds. Listen, dude, you, you rule the world at this point, but that, that's dope. So what, what are some of like your programming like methods and philosophies that you kind of abide by? Oh, man. Um, so this has been like a really interesting year in terms of programming philosophies. Um, so I've had a few roles at Stanford. I've, I was a st- I've been a strength coach for the last four years, but I also did our nutrition for a year um, when our nutritionist left. And then now I've taken over all of our sports science stuff. So this is the first year we've had like force plates, catapult. And it's been really interesting to dive into, especially like the way this whole year has worked out. And I will say this, this like 2020 has definitely really changed my philosophy on training. Um, I, I think that, there has always been such a reliance on weight room for athlete performance. And, you know, you see it on Twitter right now with all these coaches like infighting all the time. Should we Olympic lift? Should we not Olympic lift? Should we do med ball throws? Like all this stuff. Right. And I think what we all fail to recognize is that there are so many programs out there in the weight room that work. And it's because the weight room is like not really that important. And this is coming from somebody who Olympic lifts. Like, obviously I think the weight room is very important, but I I think at the end of the day, you know, a lot of different things you do in the weight room can work. And, you know, it comes down to how you implement certain things and how you coach things and your long-term plan. But I I think the thing strength coaches fail to look at is, is what happens on the field and how that, how important that actually is for sports performance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, volleyball for example they're they're a team where like i clean them even though they're six seven and because you know they're not typically a team that's super bought into the weight room and you know i'm sure there are other exercises that i could do that could you know generate like the same type of output but they have fun doing it like i have guys pring their cleans in season like you know we have hype music on like i'm yelling they're yelling like and i know that these like skinny ass kids are going to walk out of the weight room and feel really good about themselves because uh-huh. like they just like lifted a ton of weight and they, and they love it. And so, you know, that's how I've programmed volleyball in the past. And then this year I haven't seen them since February, their season got canceled right in the middle of all of this and coming back. And like, I have like a few weeks to prepare them and I'm sending them programs and I'm like, dude, I don't, I almost don't care what you guys do in the weight room. Like I'm going to give you guys jump counts and you have to go find like a hardwood surface And you have to do, you know, block jumps and serve jumps because, you know, the most important thing right now is, are you guys getting the volume on the volleyball court that you need for when we get started? And can we have you guys come back at a place where where you've had some of that landing and takeoff impact? Because like at the end of the day, like if if we as strength coaches think that like, because we programmed a backwards lunge versus rear foot elevated split squat is the reason why our team was good. Like we should probably go reevaluate what we're doing. Right, Um, right. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I, don't know, I don't know. Like, you know, you see the internet right now. Everybody's fighting about what they're doing in the weight room. And it's like, dude, like 
you know, do what you believe in in the weight room. It definitely like has a place for strength building and, you know, injury prevention and, you know, mimicking the muscle actions that they're going to see out on the field. But like, you know, when you don't have much time to prepare a team and when you look at what's really important, it's like, what are they doing on the field to prepare them to actually physically play the sport? And so that's kind of where my philosophy has gone in 2020. But also, you know, I did this, this, um, project, I suppose, at UCLA when I was an intern there. And I loved it. You write your life philosophy, your coaching philosophy, and your training philosophy. And I remember, you know, you know, when you're an intern, like the confidence, confidence curve, you're like writing stuff down and you're like, this makes so much sense. Like, I'm so smart. Like, this is a great idea. And then you like read it a year later and you're like, you are an absolute moron. I'm telling like, you, I, I thought I was oh, a genius at 23 and I'm 33 oh, now and I'm like, man. I was a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, if I don't think I've ever like looked back on a single program I wrote and been like, oh yeah, that was great. Oh like, no, there's they're always, always terrible. Like, oh my God, what were you thinking? Like, <laughs> they're always what terrible. That? Um, and I think that's so important. So like every single year since I've done that, um, since I've done that project, I've looked back on it and I'm like, all right, what's my training philosophy? What's my coaching philosophy? And then what's my life philosophy? And I think the most important thing with that is that my training and coaching philosophy have changed every single year. I don't even know how to like verbalize it at this point. It's changed so much. But like the one thing that's been the same is my life philosophy, which was, and this is, you know, I wrote this like five years ago and it was, you know, I'm constantly trying to seek like the ultimate in human performance, whether it's, you know, physical, mental, intellectual, spiritual, whatever it is, like how far can we push the human mind and the human body and like, you know, what edges can we get to and and how far can we expand those edges? And I think that everything I do like feeds into that ultimate goal of mine. So, you know, I can't say I have a specific career goal because this could take me in so many paths. Like, you know, when I started, I never thought I'd get into sports science and now I absolutely love it. And it's definitely like, more of like how I think and, and it's what I do want to pursue. But I say that and then in like three years it could, you know, this quest for like never ending knowledge could push me in a different direction. So, you know, it's that philosophy question is a tough question because I think if, if, you know, if you can verbalize it, you're going to look back in a year and be like, that's not even close to what I think now. And I think, I think you're doing it right if that's the case. Yeah. And I, th- I think you're right about that too, because you know life changes. You know, 2020 showed that for a fact. But it's like, even even if you write all your goals down on paper, your five year goal, and you accomplish those so quick, it's like, okay, what's next? Do I continue to plan goals, or do I just live life without planning? You know, whatever happens, happens. You know, I, I, I'll be honest. I kind of like living that way because I like I don't like planning shit. Because to me, it's like if I plan something and it doesn't go through, now I'm pissed off. Oh, and yeah. I don't like I don't like being pissed off, but <laughs> I like setting like you said. You know, you have these standards where it's like, hey, am I meeting my own personal standard? Am I getting there? I want I want ultimate human performance. Are we achieving that, or am I slacking off? You know, so I, I like that you spoke about that because I think a lot of people make those mistakes where they just expect too much out of themselves, and it's like you might not get there tomorrow. You might not get there in ten years, but how how you get there is you know that's the day to day approach that you should take. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that people in this field specifically, like I think the reason that we get to where we are is because our goals aren't just like finite titles. It's like every time we get somewhere, it's like, okay, what's next? And right. I definitely am a person who sometimes needs to like, you know, just like realize where I am and appreciate where I am and like, but I can't help myself to always be like, all right, well, like what's next? What's next? What's next? 
And I think a lot of us in this field are that way. And I think unfortunately, like you do have to be that way to get anywhere in this field. Cause when you're, you know, mopping floors, when you're an intern and you can't see a bigger picture, you're going to be miserable. But if you're like, all right, this is going to lead me to this, going to lead me to this, going to lead me to this, like then it's easier to get through stuff like that. Um, yeah, definitely. So real quick, I want to, I want to take a few steps back. So you're, you're doing sports science stuff now you said, correct? Yeah. Good. Now I'm a geek with that stuff. Oh, um, me too. <laughs> and it, and it, it's funny because we don't have much technology here at Florida, you know, smaller school. Um, but we do have, you know, gym aware. We don't have force plates or nothing, none of that nature. However, I do collect basic data enough to give me information and draw the daily picture um, to say, hey, I got a global perspective of, you know, X, Y, and Z athletes. Um, what, are, what are some stuff that like you fall in love with over there and what metrics do you love to live? Not, not live by, but kind of like, hey, these are my go-tos. You know, it, it's funny because, you know, we are fortunate at Stanford where we do have access to a lot of tech. And I will say, I, I talk to people about this a lot, like to define sports science, like you're not defined by what tech you use. I think that's like the biggest thing. I think yeah. there's, you know, so many people who are like, oh, we have this, we have this, this makes me a sports scientist. And it's like, well, I think what makes someone a sports scientist versus not is, is how you think about things and how you think about, you know, the data that you're given. And I think, and you know, how you collect it and how you use it. And that's more important than like what tools you can say you're good at playing with. So then starting the 2020 season, we got Catapult and that was awesome. Cause again, they're like, Sam here, like science project, like go run Catapult. And I was like, all right, like I will research how to do this and figure out who we're going to put it on and, and all this stuff. And, and so the really cool part about that has been, you know, I think everybody thinks they know what, what football actually looks like, but like now you really get to see what football looks like. And that, that leads me to like my 2020 philosophy being a little bit different is like, you know, you have, you've had these drills for years and years, you know, in conditioning and you're like, all right, this is going to condition a football team. And then you actually see what the game of football is. And you're like, all right, none of that was what we've been doing in the past. Mm -hmm. And I think the whole country seems to be trending towards that direction because everybody, you know, has this information now and they look at it and they're like, okay, like, you know, a guy runs this many yards in a game like does he need to run this many yards in conditioning or if he does like what speeds do they need to be at and you know do they need to run for you know two straight minutes and and you know whatever it is so so one of the really cool things we've done with catapult this year and you know it's year one so there's a lot that goes into that you know just building buy-in with the staff and and with the athletes and like we have athletes who will ask you a million questions about everything that you put on them so like that makes me better because they're asking me what it does. Well, I have to explain it to Stanford kids mm -hmm. and you know, they're like talking to me about how satellites work. And I'm like, well, I guess I should probably figure this out. Um, <laughs> and so one of the cool things we've done this year, and I know everybody like is currently like shitting on acute to chronic workload ratio, which like I get that it does have its like, you know, it's pitfalls, its but, yeah. but it is, you know, for a staff that hasn't seen this kind of information before, it's like, okay, we, we were doing this and like, then we did this and this is, you know, what this looks like. And, and, you know, just tracking our, our volume across spring ball, we were able to take that information to our coach, you know, starting camp and being like, Hey, like, you know, this is what this looked like. And this is what we think this should look like. And our guys practice a lot less and we're a lot more conditioned. And, you know, it was, it was really cool to, to see that. And, 
So, you know, with Catapult, we'll look at like our, our speed data, which I know is again, like that's a sexy metric that everyone talks about, like, isn't that valid? But then, you know, you have a guy in a hamstring progression and you're like, okay, like you can hit 95% of your top speed. And like, you know, you tell the kid that and all of a sudden he's more confident. Uh And that's such a big part of, of hamstring rehab is just the kid being confident running. And then, you know, all of a sudden you have this buy-in again. So, you know, we've really used it to like look at practice loads and then like for RTP efficiency, just like what does a guy need to get back into a certain period or to get back in the game. Um, So that's been really cool. And then, you know, one of my off-season projects was to take our force plate data and come up with, um, you know, different jump profiles for our guys. And, you know, I'd love to get into like dynamic strength index this year, but even just like comparing how they jump to like their back squat numbers and, you know, kind of tease out like, who jumps in which way and like what part of, you know, what part of their chain can we work on to help, to help improve their performance? Um, I tend to go down rabbit holes with this stuff is my problem. And, you know, sometimes I need people to like yank me back to reality, but. Yeah. That, that, you know, it's funny that that's my problem too. Cause with our gym aware system, it's like, I'll look at, you know, our outputs and then I'm looking at speed and I'm looking at something else and this and that. And then I'm down a rabbit hole and I'm like, wait, is this even good? Is this yeah. bad? Wait, this might be good. It, well, this this is the number I really wanted to look at, but this number is not the number I think it should be. It's like, oh shit, now nah, I fucked up. But yeah, um, oh, I do that all the time. I, I think it's great that you said with with the uh, the catapult stuff is like, hey, do we need to hit these volumes that they hit in games? Because everyone has that question where it's like, all right, well, our skilled guys are covering X, our you know, uh, big skilled are covering Y, our lines are covering Z. Hey, we should condition to these numbers. It's like, well. Maybe we should prep. Maybe we should look at practice. I remember talking to a guy, Ted Lambernitis was his name. I had him on one of my earlier podcast episodes, mm-hmm. and I met him at a conference. He's a, he runs the um, he used to oversee the zebra units oh, for nice. the NFL okay. teams, mm-hmm. um, and he talked about stuff where it's like, hey, you know, most coaches are looking at the wrong thing. They're looking at the numbers and saying, hey, look, this is what we should be doing. Where they should be looking at numbers, where it's like, hey, you could look at it in a way where it's like, hey, coach, this guy is running a post route at X speed on the right side of the football. When he's on the left side of the football, it's a lot faster. So if you've made this guy run that route on this side, you might have more success. And then they, they looked at timing where uh, quarterback, you know, awesome. decision-making to the guy running that route on each side of the football. The, his sports science outlook was so, I don't want to say ridiculous, but so far-fetched where it's like coaches don't even look at the, the game that way, the way it's played versus the way we should probably try to train them. And I think, I think that's where a lot of people get kind of confused where it's like, all right, they're covering this much distance. We need to cover this much distance in conditioning where it's like, hey, maybe we should look at where, how fast are they moving on, you know, on this side of the ball, that side of the ball. You touched base on them, you know, perfect. Hey, how fast are they reaching top speeds? Because at the end of the day, speed wins in the game, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's awesome. I think that's like the part that I really like about this is I just think that people, especially in this field, just need to get better at asking questions. And that's it, yeah. Even now, like with, Everybody, you know, everyone has catapult. I feel like so many people are getting force plates now and everybody's just like looking at the same metrics and like, oh, okay, well, if this, then this. And it's like, well, why? Like, what does this really show you? And how does that really, you know, translate to performance? Like even like as, God, as much as I love the force plate, like they're jumping, like this is, they're not running on a football field. There's mm-hmm. still a difference. And, and one thing that, you know, I've definitely tried to get better at this year is like figure out the questions that I'm answering and then, you know, tailoring everything I read to like, to that, like, okay. So, you know, if, um, you know, I do this all the time where like, I'll look at like our two best players and like, I'll look at their jumps and 
they get to their jump in a completely different strategy. And so if you were to just like look at these numbers, like as, you know, without any context of like who the athletes are, you'd be like, okay, well, you know, this one probably needs to train this and this one probably needs to train that like, cool, like done. And then it's like, well, is that the case? Because these are actually our two best athletes. Do we actually need to like enhance what one is good at and enhance what the other one is good at? And I think that's something the field is starting to figure out right now. And, and the other thing with sports science, and I don't know if you've noticed this, is I think if you have enough of a coach's eye and you've developed a coach's eye, like all the data really shows is like the things that you've actually known this entire time. It just confirms it, it for you. Yeah. Just confirm, yeah. Like, like you know if like a practice is hard or not. Like you can see it. You see the guy's body language. And, you know, it's, it's really cool to then have the data be like, all right, cool. Like that's what I saw. And so that makes it a lot easier to like get by and explain it to coaches and, and, you know, other strength coaches like, Hey, look, this is what I'm seeing. And like, I know we all see it like this isn't a crazy leap. Um, so it's been really, really, really awesome. I, again, I tend to dive really hard into this kind of stuff. And, and so I, I've had a lot of fun with it. And that's, that's awesome. Do you guys measure any like barbell speeds in the weight room? You know, we had, and this is where 2020 was 2020. We have ah. tendos and we actually got really lucky in this whole situation where um, our indoor weight room closed. And then we have a basketball arena that doesn't have a roof on it. Technically, it has like an open air roof because it's really? California and it rains like once every nine that's months. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, it's sick. And so what we did was we put 10 racks like in the concourse of our basketball arena because okay. we weren't allowed to train inside. We're still not allowed to train inside. But we basically have like a full functioning weight room um, in our basketball gym. It's just like kind of cold and it doesn't have quite all of our equipment in it, but it's completely functional. And, you know, we had no interns and this would have been the absolute perfect year for like, you know, VBT and auto regulation. But, you know, when you have six groups a day and you're coaching from 7am to 7pm, like the last thing we were doing, we were putting batteries in tendos. So mm. we didn't use them this year. And like, you know, it, it is what it is. Like 2020 happened and you know, everything just can't be perfect. Like we had to go on the road. Like I didn't get to bring the force plate. Like it was what it was like. Yeah. Um, and, and that's like, honestly, like that's where like tech is cool, but like, it's also not necessary sometimes to win, to win football games as our guys have, as our guys have showed. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, we do have tendos. I would love to like look into like gym aware. I've heard good things about perch too, where like it's at least like cloud-based and you don't have to like write it down. Um, because that's the one tough part about tendos is if I wanted to log it, like we'd have to like literally write it Type down or have, it. have yeah. the guys write it down and you know, they can't quite be trusted to, I'll be honest. to do that. And it's funny. I'll be honest. We use, we use team builder in our weight room. Uh, mm -hmm. sh we shifted away from paper, you know, with the whole COVID stuff with, you know, mm -hmm. whatever, minimizing, touching things. But um, that team builder and um, our gym awares for our barbell outputs. And it's, and it's funny because I still document everything in Excel. I'm like, listen, mm -hmm. I, need, I need to see everything on one space. I don't, I, like, yeah. don't want to jump from window to window and then athlete page to athlete page. Um, but yeah, I'll tell you, when you start using those tendos, I don't know if you have in the past, but you develop such a coach's eye where you're like, hey, take the weight down. That's not the speed it needs to be at. And the kid looks at you like, how the fuck does coach know? Yeah. Oh yeah. How fast I should be. It's like, dude, I know what's fast and what's not. We're, we're not training for heavy strength, right? Or absolute strength. Now we're going for, you know, some speed right now. 
Oh so yeah. It, no, that's again to that point. Like I think we really all just, we do know what we're looking at and that's like the important part about developing that coach's eye. I think so many people are like tech first mm-hmm. and it's like cool, but like I can watch our guys jump on the force plate and like I can, you know, I look at this stuff. I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes sense about their jumping ability. Like I, you know that about them. Yeah. It's just like a way to quantify it. And, um, you know, I think it really does help build buying with the guys too. And, you know, they'll be like, man, how fast did I run yesterday? And I'm like, oh, well, it was this, and I, it was on this play. And they're like, oh, like, you know that? It's like, yeah, like, we saw it. Like, I can see the signature. Like, they, like, they love to be able to, like, put that stuff together and be like, wow, like, how cool is that? But, like, that, like, literally showed what I was doing. Yeah. Um, Tech is just all yeah. sexy stuff. But I, I it's it funny. It really is. We actually talked about it as a staff over here. It's like, hey, we're going to get to the point where it's like, hey, look, 18, 19, 20-year-old kid probably does not need to be on a gym aware probably doesn't need to do anything on a force plate. If oh, yeah. given a situation, you know, you might have a kid that's coming back to play and it's like, all right, let's see where, what's going on. Um, but we're, we're, we're at the point where it's like, Hey, look, they're going to have to earn this, this type of shit. You know, it's like, Hey, you want to be on a gym aware, put some squat numbers up. You, you, oh, yeah. be, you know, you want to squat with some chains, get some strength first. We're not going to, you know, there's no reason to do some, um, any type of, you know, wild type of like like what quality do we need to train outside of strength at, 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 with an 18 year old kid you know it's like 100 percent. they're a sponge now they're, like a, get, they're a testosterone sponge unless you get that 18 19 year old kid that comes from a high school that they're they, they had a strength coach and this guy's rocking out some weights it's like all right maybe we have to consider treating him like a 21 year old senior you know <laughs> yeah and I, I think that's that's so true too is like all this stuff can tell you everything about their jump and there's not one freshman who we're not going to put on a developmental program this off season. Oh, like I, yeah yeah Without like you just you guys are all squatting it's like man so, you're, gonna hit, you're gonna hit these temples brother i'm sorry you know <laughs> yeah absolutely and and that's you know that's that's what i think is is so cool about the weight room too is that you know it really is it really is simple and you can and you, if every staff like really just owns like what they're good at and what they can coach. Cause at the end of the day too, it, it comes down to, you know, output is everything. It's what, it's how you explain the exercises, what these kids hear. It's what music is playing in your weight room. Like it's, you know, all of that stuff is what affects performance. And, and I think that my like sciencey background and, and, you know, my, my major was like a very integrative subject and, it's, it's allowed me to understand that like, you know, everything we do and every stimulus you give these kids has like a biological output. And, and it's not just, did I do the barbell squat jump versus the hex bar jump squat? It's literally like, are these kids rolling their eyes when you're talking versus like, are they listening to you when they're talking, when you're talking? Like, have you explained the exercise in a way that's going to get the, like the output that you needed? And, And there's just so much more that goes into it than just like, the exercise selection and that's why like the Twitter world kills me with like, you know, fucking world of ego strength coach who like need to argue about, you know, what, what they're doing for power production. And it's like, can you just coach your kids and like have some juice and like put on some good music and like, you're going to get what you want out of them. Yeah. I mean, shoot. If you ask me three exercises that, you know, I, I'd probably staple into my program. Um, I don't run all my teams just cause we don't have the time to, cause I'm coaching all these other teams, but, um, I'd sprint them, squat them, and some type of pull, whether it be a chin up or an inverted row. Love that. You know? Like cleans, yeah. like it, it, the cleans look so sexy, looks great on video. I'm telling you, especially with perfect technique. But at the at the end of the day, does everyone need to be doing that? Probably not. You know, does everybody need oh, yeah. a squat? Oh, oh hell yeah. Do you, is it a back or a front squat or a rear foot elevated? It it depends on what what your goal for that program is. But yeah, now you're right. It's like 
listen, I, coach, I don't care how you won your conference this year. That's cool. It probably wasn't a weight room. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it really like the thing I've noticed in like collegiate football, it, it comes down to like, you know, global load management, right? Like, have you looked at your whole year and is what you're doing in the weight room complementary to what you're doing on the field? Yeah. And, it's not killing them. Yeah. And like, you can do all this fancy, crazy stuff in the weight room and on the field for, you know, conditioning. And then if the coaches practice them for five hours a day, like you're screwed and it doesn't matter. And so, you know, do you have a good enough relationship with your coaching staff to be able to talk about like, Hey, like, you know, we might need to limit reps on this guy or like, you know, this is what we were thinking for like practice structure. And then I think a lot of it comes down to team culture would be the other part of that. And, you know, do the guys, are the guys bought in and do the guys listen to your coaches when they coach? And, you know, if they do, your program is going to work no matter what it is. If they don't, your program's not going to work no matter what it is. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing too, like football, there's such a wide variety of, of talent out there among schools. It's like genetics. And I, I hate to say that, but like, you know, yeah, there's a huge part to be played in like how you keep your guys healthy and, um, you know, what you do in the weight room to complement all this stuff. But like, you know, Alabama is a team of studs. Like you can have those kids jump rope for, yeah. you know, every day. And they're going to be, and they're gonna be Alabama. Know, like yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. Like, yeah, you could do things to keep them healthy. And, but, you know, football, if you're a baller, you're a baller. Speak, speaking of Alabama real quick, and I, I don't mean to talk about them, but did you see that there was a recent like Instagram post or Twitter post, whatever it was, it was like at one point Alabama had uh, Mark Ingram, Derek Henry, uh, oh. Alan Kamara as, as like their fourth backup before he transferred out. Kenyon Drake. I'm like, Jesus Christ. They really it's like, did what can you, yeah. What can you do against the team like that? Yeah. And Honestly. I mean, it's even funny too, because, you know, going on the road with the team for four weeks, I mean, we, had to lift them on the field in the grass, like doing, you know, push up ISOs. And then we had to lift them at a high school in Oregon. And then, you know, we lifted them like outside in this like weight room, like one day in Santa Barbara, like it was not ideal training. Mm. And, but you take a team that stuck together under a common purpose to like just destroy their opponents because we're like kicked out of our conference and they got a chip on their shoulder and, and we win four games. So it's like, I do think that like team culture is just so, you know, undervalued in terms of like, you know, just achieving a mission and, and uh, like, it's great that the whole field is trending towards sports science, but like, we need to not forget how to coach. Exactly. Yeah. And don't forget how to build those relationships. Cause to me, that's key. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Me, that's key. You know, I, I feel like I can connect to every single one of my athletes. There's not one where I'm like, I don't know about this kid. I don't know how to talk to him. Yeah. You know? But Good stuff, Coach. Listen, I, thank you for coming on again today. Oh, no, I, I, I appreciate this it. Great. I, but I, I, I'd have to share this. Uh, you know, I, I got to ask you this one question before I get you off of here. For sure. Now, and, and, and don't give me the runaround answer on this one because a lot of people do and I hate <laughs> it. If you were not a strength coach, what other career do you see yourself in? Oh, I'd be a neurosurgeon. A neurosurgeon? Oh, yeah. All I'd right. have a sleeve of tattoos and I'd operate on people's brains. There's nice. no doubt. Yeah. That's sick. That's, gnar that's gnarly, like you yeah. said. See that Cali shit? Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you know, uh, what's it called? Get, get embedded in you. You're saying yeah, words like Yeah, it really now. does. See, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> Neurosurgeon. That's dope. A lot of yeah. people say teacher. They're like, oh, you know, I'm a coach. Oh, so you know, I absolutely can teach. not. I like, hate Come kids. on, listen. I fucking teach. <laughs> Hell no. 
I, was, nah. I, was, I don't want to say I was a great student. I wasn't a bad student, but it's like, dude, teachers, to me, sometimes they're damn boring, you know? Oh, I was the worst student. I come from an entire family of teachers, and my whole goal my whole life was to never be a teacher. So it's kind of ironic that I ended up go. being a coach. Indirect teacher. <laughs> yeah, but no, absolutely. I would I'd go into brain surgery, and then I'd have my, my tattoo sleeve. Some of people are like, um, excuse me, miss, you have a sleeve of tattoos? I'd be like, yeah, I'm a goddamn neurosurgeon. Yeah. So, fuck off. What's, what, the, <laughs> what the hell? Why would you want to be a brain surgeon? Let me ask you that now. Um, so I'm like, I don't know. I'm kind of obsessed with the brain. Like my, my undergrad was neuroscience. And so, you know, there's so much that we do not understand about like the brain and human consciousness. And so it was my favorite subject in college. I actually have a dopamine molecule tattooed on my foot. Like that's how big of like a, a neuroscience nerd that I am. Dopamine molecule. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very nerdy. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I've always had a fascination that, you know, what makes our, our species unique is like our, our brain function and, and how that relates to like every aspect of our life and how we're controlled by neurotransmitters. I could go down a whole rabbit hole of this, but, you know, that's, I've, I think I've kind of brought some of that thinking to, to strength and conditioning. And, and I'm, I'm thankful that my background is, is a little bit different, you know, even though sometimes it's frustrating to have like absolutely zero schooling and exercise science. Um, and I have to like read basic things that I think I should know sometimes, but, um, yeah, yeah, we, all, we all do big, big neuroscience fan. That's awesome. That, that's cool as hell. That's dope. I, I, I've never heard anybody say they want to be a neurosurgeon. <laughs> Shoot. Good for, l l lucky you, you know, you'd be a rich ass. I would be, but instead there, I man. chose Shoot. this field, man. <laughs> Well, you get paid. You get paid. Don't worry about it. It's, it's coming. Uh, it's coming. The, the day of the day of a high six figure paid strength coach all across the board is coming oh soon. Yeah. I can one of these. It. One of these days. I think it's going to happen soon. The more we can keep proving our worth, the the better we're doing. I think so, and I think it comes with you know, uh, like you said earlier, athlete management. You know, hey, can, uh, this is how I view an athlete, and I don't mean this in a bad way. Mm -hmm. I see athletes, whether you're a pro or a college athlete, as like a mutual fund. It's like okay. How can we keep these funds high? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's an if, awesome analogy. Because if a kid gets hurt or if a professional athlete gets hurt, guess what? The school or the team is at a loss of investment because there's money into that athlete. Right? Absolutely. I, honestly speaking, if you're on scholarship yeah. or if you're being paid a contract, and it's like, okay, strength coach's job is to keep these athletes on the field performing at a very high level 24-7. Absolutely. I can't get paid as much as a motherfucker on Wall Street. Are you kidding oh, me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, dude, and like we've seen this year how much money is in sports. Like, uh, seriously. Too much. Like, these coaches' buyouts, and then everyone's like, oh, I lost money because of the pandemic. It's like, bro, you just pay this dude 15 mil to like retire. Yeah. Like, come on. It's coming, though. I, I, think, I think strength coaches are on that road to get well paid. So hopefully it happens sooner than later. For sure. For sure. Definitely. Hey, coach, before I let you go, is if people want to reach out to you uh, for any means, you know, what's the best way to connect with you? Um, I'd say Instagram. I'm probably the most active. It's Sam Contorno. Um, I'm relatively responsive to messages, um, and I really just post a lot of my own personal lifting videos. So yeah, that's, she, about, she, that's about the extent of the content on there. Yeah, and she won't big time you either because she didn't big time me. So See, I, I, I didn't. Yeah, no, that's yeah. dope. Hey, reached out. That's, that's dope. So that's pretty cool. All right, Coach. Well, listen, this was great. This was fun. I appreciate yeah, thank you coming you so on. Much. And my, my wife's going to, uh, she, she'll love this episode. This God, might be I, your I favorite I hope I did one. it justice. <laughs> you did. You did. And thanks for coming on again, Coach. Of course. Thank you.